0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 28, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Though it was heresy among Democratic primary voters when Barack Obama said that Ronald Reagan changed the trajectory of the United States, the evidence is hard to deny. Stephen Hayward is author of the new book, The Age of Reagan. We spoke following a forum for the book held yesterday.
1: Well, I, I think what you have to understand is that Reagan was utterly unique uh, in whatever label you want to give him, a conservative, uh, you know, a fusionist of traditionalist and libertarian instincts. Remember, the other thing he used to say that drove Russell Kirk and George Will and other conventional conservatives out of their mind uh, was when he would quote Thomas Paine's remark that we have it within our power to begin the world over again. You know, George Will said, anytime, any place, that is nonsense. And Russell Kirk just couldn't believe that a supposedly conservative president would quote Thomas Paine. Uh, In fact, I think that um, the part of Reagan's libertarian streak was his openness about the future, uh, his belief in the dynamism of American society, an understanding that it would bring change. He understood that most change from open markets and individual freedom would be change for the good. I think he, you know, there was something of a nostalgic streak in Reagan, so he probably understood uh, what Russell Kirk disliked about open markets and a dynamic world, is that it undermined authority and tradition. That was Kirk's complaint. Uh, And and Reagan certainly was a friend of family values, although he wasn't really a culture warrior in the way we think of people today, like Mike Huckabee, for example, just to pick one uh, name. Um, I mean, Reagan conceived the issue of abortion purely in terms of individual rights, see, um... Uh, you know, which is still contested today, of course. Uh, uh, but also a lot of it too was uh, Reagan explained that he began turning away from New Deal liberalism way back in World War II when he saw how stupid bureaucracy could be. And I think that also explains some of his libertarian instincts. My main argument and the main revision of my book is that Reagan's statecraft needs to be understand as a unity rather than as separate spheres. An awful lot of authors, even conservative authors, some of them, uh, uh, divide Reagan's foreign policy Uh, um, statecraft, which even a lot of liberals now approve of, from his domestic policy record. And I make the argument that's somewhat abstract, uh, that Reagan understood the two problems as one problem, which is, uh, and even argued this way, that there's a big government is a threat to liberty. In one famous speech, he put together secret police and mindless bureaucrats in the same sentence. Secret police, he's referring to totalitarian countries, mindless bureaucrats, our own countries. And so he saw the problem of, of government power as at the root of the problem of politics, both in foreign policy and domestic policy. I think that's the unity of his approach. And uh, I think you can't pick and choose between his record in one and the other. Now, his domestic record is more mixed uh, because it's more diffuse. It covers a wider range. Um, he won some. He lost some. Other things were muddled. It doesn't have the drama of the Cold War, uh, or as I put it in the book, he never stood in front of the Federal Trade Commission and said, Mr. Regulator, tear down this rule. <laughs> but he had that attitude, uh, and uh, and actually I do tell in the book of some you know behind-the-scenes conversations and arguments he had with people like Tip O'Neill in Congress where they – Uh, As I put it, Reagan used language that would have made Lyndon Johnson proud. (laughs) So there's some personal drama to that side of it too. Uh, But I just say I I think uh, we're in danger of losing sight of Reagan as a whole. Uh, And finally, the other thing uh, I said and say in the book is that I think a lot of uh, Republicans and conservatives get Reagan wrong to the extent that their appreciation of him is rather superficial. Uh, They miss the originality of his thought that was unconventional. They also miss how hard he actually worked and how disciplined he was. Partly that was Reagan's own design. He used to joke that uh, they say hard work never killed anyone, but I say, why take chances? But we know now from behind the scenes and all the records that he worked quite hard and was very disciplined about uh, you know, his daily work habits and very disciplined about his speech-making. I'm, I'm constantly amazed at how slapdash politicians are at giving speeches. And people think, oh, Reagan was great because he talked about the greatness of America or you know, he told good jokes, but he worked very hard to be good at giving speeches and giving good political speeches. So my, my advice is is work harder and pay attention to what made him different.
0: I suppose it's to be expected that uh, people more clearly understood the issues related to foreign policy because they were just so stark. It was uh, uh, There were two polls. And right. in domestic policy, there were a lot more uh, groups trying to vie for attention and power.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, domestic policy always has, uh, you know, countless interest groups weighing in on every side and foreign policy less so, although there are some. I mean, let's remember that the General Electric Corporation was not happy with Reagan's attempt to impose sanctions on the Soviet Union for their gas pipeline because they wanted to sell turbines to the Soviet Union. So those kind of commercial conflicts came into play once in a while. Um I guess the other thing I'd say is there is a bit of an irony here because back during the Cold War days, we were often told that Reagan was too simplistic. So this is really a very complicated matter, and yeah, we have a bipolar world. Um, and nowadays, uh, with, as we look at uh, you know Islamic radicalism or terrorism or whatever, you hear people say, "Gosh, it was so much better in the old days when things were simpler. <laughs> it was black and white, and us versus them. And now it's a complicated scene, which it is." Um, so I think we sometimes tend to look back on these things uh, as simpler than they are. Uh, I can imagine a set of circumstances in which 50 years from now we're going to look back on this period and say, compared to what we might see 50 years from now, well, this looked a whole lot more comprehensible than what we're facing, say, with, you know, who knows what China will be like in 50 years. Who
0: um, Who knows? Looking back yeah. uh, on a period when we uh, probably couldn't have predicted what would come out of uh, Afghanistan and, and that that region, was there any inkling within the Reagan White House that essentially walking away from uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan at that time that that, that would uh, have any repercussions? I'm certainly not blaming yeah, them, right. for, them for them for not seeing it, but was there was there a discussion there?
1: You know, I I don't know. That's a very good question. I didn't do a lot of research about that particular question because some of that dribbles on to after Reagan leaves office. Um, I mean, this decision is made, I think, in 87 or 88 that the Soviet Union is going to get out of Afghanistan. Um, But the sort of cleanup work, you might say, drags on uh, beyond the scope of my book. And I I didn't go looking for the documents on that. I've heard fragments here and there that uh, there was some concern in the State Department and people on Capitol Hill who followed this about – you know, what, uh, there'll be a vacuum uh, in Afghanistan. Um, Pakistan has never been entirely stable. Um, So uh, yeah, in hindsight, uh, we probably didn't pay as much attention to that. A much bigger concern starting in 1991 is what happens to the Soviet Union when it falls apart. And, you know, well into 1992, there was worry about whether we were giving Russia enough support to stay together. And, um, you know, that was a much greater focus of attention.
0: Stephen Hayward is author of The Age of Reagan. Cato Audio is a dynamic monthly CD that takes you inside the Cato Institute for one-of-a-kind discussions and speakers addressing the struggle for liberty today. You can subscribe at cato.org.